So in the past few weeks, we've been to Kazakhstan, Austria, the Czech Republic. What's our next stop? Looks like it's Paris. Again? But weren't we just there like a few weeks ago? Less than a month even. Yep, Paris again. We've got to keep our listeners updated, even if it means going in circles. Darn, and we couldn't even spring for a nice vacation in Nice. Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Travia and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravi and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. Hello everyone! Happy November 1st! We hope you remember to change your clocks today, but... As you heard in our beginning intro skit, we're back in Paris and we're here to provide you with our first installation of our coverage of the Rolex Paris Masters 1000 tournament. So we're pretty excited for that. It's a big tournament. And as always, we're going to start with some hot headlines in the tennis world. So perhaps the most recent headline is that Andre Rublev has cemented his spot in the ATP finals. We're going to talk about his title win in just a bit, but Rublev has been having an amazing year. And this means that there is only one spot left for the ATP Finals now that Rublev is in. And it's pretty much a toss, not really a toss-up in my opinion, but it's pretty much between Diego Schwartzman and Matteo Berrettini now. So it'll depend on how Paris goes and who qualifies. And our next one is Simona Halep coming out with the fact that she tested positive for the coronavirus. On October 31st, she said she was recovering from mild symptoms and is self-isolating at home. So we wish her all the best in her recovery. And along the lines of COVID, the NITO ATP London finals are still on track for continuing despite the UK being on lockdown. So let's see how that plays out. Yeah, hopefully that'll go safely. And there was also some recent news that the Rolex Masters, Masters <laughs> Rolex Paris <laughs> Masters 1000 tournament, their social media team took down a story post and an actual Instagram post um, of Alexander Zverev following fans' backlash. So a lot of tennis fans flooded the post with um, the hashtag I stand with Olya hashtag. Um, and, you know, it... It seemed like a weird decision that they decided to post it anyway, but as you've seen on our social media, Josephina and I um, support victims of domestic abuse and um, we're happy that they took down that post. Okay, so there have been quite a few tournaments that have been happening in the past week or two, and we want to give you a quick recap of them. So on the WTA side, we had the Ostrava Open. We're so sorry. We forgot to mention this in our last episode. But if you read through Josephine and I's text, we were so excited for this tournament and we're really excited about um, some of the results there. So it was a WTA premier level event. It's new. It was in the Czech Republic. And in the singles, Arena Sabalenka defeated Victoria Azarenka 6-2, 6-2 in the final. So this was her second title of 2020. Her first one was in Doha. And, you know, she's known for dominating on the hard courts and the indoor hard courts, so it's a great win for her. And, I mean, I think the most notable t- moment of that tournament was her insane comeback versus Cerebus Tormo in the quarterfinals. She was down, like, 6-0, 4-1 
Adrienne, then she came back to win that match. And this was also the first all-Belarusian tennis final, so Sabalenka and Azarenka definitely made history here. And also, not only did Sabalenka win the singles title, she also won the doubles title with Elise Mertens, so that was a great win from them. Moving on to our next recapping tournament, we have the Astana Open, the ATP 250 taking place for the first time in Nur Sultan, Kazakhstan. The singles champion was John Millman, the fourth seed, when he defeated Adrian Manorino 7-5-6-1. This is John Millman's maiden title at 31 years old, but it's an amazing win for the Australian. He saved a match point in his quarterfinal match versus Tommy Paul and also had a tough win over Tifo in Tiafo in the semifinals. Also, not only did we have a great winner, we also had a breakout player, Emil Rusevori, who made it into the ATP Tour semifinals for the first time. And on the double side, we had the Belgian Sander Gilles and Joran Vliegen take the title in the new event in Kazakhstan, so it seemed like that went pretty well. And obviously, our 500 event of the week was in Vienna, the Erstebank Open. And in the singles tournament, Andre Rublev defeated Lorenzo Sonego 6-4-6-4 to take his fifth title of 2020, which is the record. Um, and he's 15-0 at the ATP 500 level in 2020. And as we mentioned, he qualified for the ATP finals with this win. So Rublev seems pretty unstoppable at the moment with these back-to-back titles. Yeah, Rubev was looking really solid here and basically all year, but also the finalist, Sonego, he defi- defeated Djokovic, the world number one, 6-1-6-2 en route to the final, which caused speculation on Djokovic's losing. It just seemed a little odd with this loss that it was totally not the best sportsmanship because he took a wild card into this tournament and he just took it, won his match versus Courage, and then seemed disinterested and it was not really a great example to set it it was just not in character to lose this badly for Djokovic so that's why it caused some speculation yeah and you know that match versus George he took the world number one ranking and then to kind of seem totally like almost tanking in his match against Sonego was definitely not a greatest show of sportsmanship, but who knows what was happening because, I mean, Djokovic admitted that clinching the year-end world number one had an impact on his performance versus Sonego, Um, but again, is that really an excuse? I don't know. Um, He also said that the death of a renowned Serbian um, priest had an impact on him, so definitely something was happening mentally that Djokovic wasn't prepared for, but... We can't always talk about Djokovic in this match. Yeah, exactly, because we want to give Sonego the credit he deserves because not only did he outplay the world number one, he backed it up with a 6-3-6-4 win against Daniel Evans in the next round. He also, not only in um, his semifinal match versus Evans, he had some great wins versus Hercotch and Lajovic in the rounds leading up to the Djokovic match, so he definitely earned his finalist trophy versus Rublev. Yes, and moving on to the doubles title in Vienna, Marcelo Mello and Lukasz Kubo took the title, and they're 37 and 38 years old. I just thought I should mention that because, I mean, that's like, that's not the age you're expecting when you're looking at champions in the tennis world now. Okay, so now that we finished our recap section of Tennis Talk, let's go into our preview section of Tennis Talk for the Rolex Masters Tournament. 
So we have seen a couple of top players withdrawn from the Paris tournament. This has been a pattern all of 2020, but either way, the most notable ones are Dimitrov, who had a great run last week at the Vienna Open, but he's withdrawn due to a foot injury. And Tiem has also withdrawn. Shapovalov and Mafi has both also been taken out of the tournament because they both ended their seasons. And also Nishikori, who also had an injury. But Nadal is playing, and he's never won a Rolex Paris Masters title, so maybe that'll change this year because we have seen a strong Paris season from him this year. But since when have we not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Djokovic, however, is not playing because... Since he's the defending champion and because of the weird ranking rules this year, he can't gain any additional points in Paris, Paris, and he's already clinched the year-end world number one ranking, so he thought it would be best for him to rest his body and prepare for the ATP finals, which I think is a pretty smart decision. But now that we've kind of given you a lay down on who's playing, who's not playing, let's go into the draw. So looking at the top half, the top seeds here are coming in with tons of momentum from their previous and recent victories, starting with Rafael Nadal, the first seed. He's coming in strong with a Grand Slam win in the same city very recently in Paris, but he has never won a Masters title here, so this might be the year that losing streak comes to an end. And next up, we have Alexander Zverev, the fourth seed, who also has momentum going into this He with his consecutive titles in Cologne. Although mentally, he might not be in the best mindset considering what has happened recently with him. But next, we have Andre Rublev, the fifth seed, who's coming off of two more titles in just under three weeks in St. Petersburg and Vienna. He's been having an incredibly strong year and can definitely be expected to make it far in this tournament. We also, not only do we have the top seeds, but also potential breakthrough players. I mean, this side of the draw was pretty tough to work with because there's a lot of players that you would not expect to be making it so far in a master's tournament but i have john leonard struff and john millman hear me out okay they have the best chances of getting to at least the quarterfinals because they are in the quarters of the halves where they would be meeting rublev or nadal in the quarterfinal not having to beat them to get there and right now i think david goffin and zverev would be easier to beat than rublev and nadal also, Milman has his win in Kazakhstan under his belt super recently, and I'm just going to have to say that I have a hunch about Struff. So if I'm wrong, don't quote me on it, but if I'm right, just know you heard it here first. I mean, I definitely agree with your pick for John Milman because he's, he's definitely a player who can take out top guys, and, you know, obviously he's coming Exactly, not really to be underestimated. Tournament. For sure. Moving into the bottom half of the draw, the top seeds here are Tsitsipas, Medvedev, and Diego Schwartzman. So starting off with Tsitsipas, he's the number two seed. I believe he's coming off of a slight injury. Um, he's been playing well in 2020. He lost in a tough match to Dimitrov in Vienna. But it's kind of unclear how he'll do in Paris because he's going to have to face the winner of Umber and Rude in his first match. So that's going to be really difficult. But if he is able to come through that match, then, you know, that'll be pretty promising for him. So it's kind of a toss-up for how Sitsipas will do, but I hope he's healthy and we hope that he can have a great tournament here. Daniel Medvedev, number three seed, but don't let the seed defeat you, deceive you. Unfortunately, 2020 hasn't been great for Medvedev, especially since the restart of the season. 
and you know he's known to not dominate on the surface but he's had lackluster results in st petersburg and vienna so i don't think he's someone in huge contention to take the title um but diego schwartzman on the other hand the sixth seed he's been having an amazing past few months including in paris he reached the finals of cologne two um, he's shown that his 2020 excellence isn't just on clay, so we're excited to see how he does, and since he's in prime position to qualify, if he can cement that qualification for the ATP Finals, because that would be pretty awesome. Wait, do you get it? Did you see that? Where you said cement and you were talking about surfaces? <laughs> I, I didn't even funny. catch that. Well, yeah, I mean, they're playing on cement too, so maybe he can. maybe he can do that. For my breakthrough players, I've picked Ugo Umbert. Um, he's one of those like young players who Josefina and I have been kind of tracking since the beginning of 2020, end of 2019. So you heard it here first, even though Hotter didn't exist back then. <laughs> but he's coming off of a great title run in Antwerp, beating Alex Dimonor in the final, who is also someone to look out for, for sure. And my other breakthrough player... Um, it's Marcos Giron from the USA. So he's the 2014 NCAA singles champion. You might have seen his name coming up in the draws and stuff recently. And he's been playing pretty decent in the indoor season so far. He's stretched Chilich, beat Goffin, and his section seems pretty open because if he were to win the first round, he'd face Berrettini next. And Berrettini hasn't been on his game quite as much this year, so that's certainly an opportunity for him. Moving on to what we call our tiebreakers, where we'll choose some first-round matches that we think should spark some interest, and also choose the winners. Yeah, so for my tiebreaker, um, bottom half of the draw, as I said, um, Ugo Umbert versus Casper Ruud is my tiebreaker. They're the two youngsters kind of gunning for this um, match. This is a pretty tough match for both of them in the first round. Um, although, given the surface and given the past couple of weeks, I would give Umbert the edge because he's just been more solid on the indoor hard courts. Rude had a pretty good clay season, but hasn't really done that well since then. Um, so I think Umbert really has the confidence and being it's, it's his home court, that might also help him. My tiebreaker is Pablo Carreño Busta versus Hugo Gaston. So Pablo Carreño Busta, you might have heard of him. He made it pretty far in the U.S. Open, and he's been having a really strong season, definitely moving up in the rankings. But Hugo Gaston had a really good run recently at a tournament, beating a bunch of top players on the way. And also he, in the French Open, that's the tournament I'm talking about, <laughs> he took TM to a five-setter. So definitely someone to look out for here, and he's a wild card. So I'm going to give the win to Hugo Gaston because this is his home court, and Pablo Carreño Busta has had a good season, but I'm not sure how much he's got left in him. Yeah, I mean, both of us are picking the young French guys for the win, so let's see if they can pull through. Moving on to some more fun segments, we have our aces and double faults section. This is where we choose from some highs and lows from the week and kind of give you a little recap of what's going on. So our ace is Halloween themes because yesterday was Halloween. Kevin Anderson's daughter, she's really adorable, dressed up as Billie Jean King for her Halloween costume and it was so cute. They called her Baby Jean King. 
Billie Jean King herself even retweeted the photos, so I would highly recommend you check it out because I would say that Kevin Anderson's daughter killed that costume. It was pretty spot on. And moving on to our double vaults, we also have some social media themed madness. <laughs> Sam Query liked John Isder's Instagram post, but we still don't know where he is. So if somebody could set up a tracking device, like one of those mobile ones, you know, I'm not very technologically savvy. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm talking about here, but you know what I mean. And if somebody could get in contact with John Isner, maybe we could get some intel. Also, I saw a funny tweet on tennis Twitter um, a couple hours ago that was like, you know, I'm pretty positive if all of us on tennis Twitter put our heads together and really, really did some researching, we could figure out where Sam Query is. And honestly, <laughs> I believe it. Tennis Twitter has a lot of power. So I exactly. think that they'd be able to. Especially with the taking down that one Zvera post from the Rolex Masters. Yeah, tennis Twitter. That, was, that showed some real power. Exactly. So great job on tennis Twitter for doing that. Um, moving on to some other important stuff, we do want to give a reminder for our listeners in the U.S. to please, 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 please vote. It's important. We hope you do so. Election Day is two days away um, from the time that we're recording, so we do hope that you vote. And of course, we can't vote yet, but if you can, please do it. We're counting on you to represent. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you liked this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the Rolex Paris Masters Tournament, upcoming tournaments, and updates on all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions, and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our ep- next episode will be released in a couple days where we will recap the first couple of rounds of the Rolex Paris Masters. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Robert and Shravya's name is Steve. See you next time. <laughs>